Well, good evening. It's good to see you. Good to be here. Good to be back at Judson. And uh, glad to be sharing with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. We're going to look at something tonight about uh, something that prevents refreshing, something that re prevents renewal in our lives. And I'm sorry that uh, Brother James Blackburn was not able to come. Uh, James, one of my best friends, better friends, I should say, if not one of my best friends. Uh, we got to know each other maybe 10 years ago. Uh, uh, obviously, he's African-American. And when I've preached for several years and spoken for several years at an African-American conference up in uh, Maryland, Washington, D.C. area, and that's how I got to know Brother James. And we've, we've just become fast friends. And uh, he's a unique individual. He really is. And so he was going to stay with us. And so we, we've missed out on that. And you've missed out on uh, that great. Uh, he has a series of messages, but he was going to preach a great message on how to make God happy. And so I know Jeff's working to get him back here. And as soon as he can, you'll be blessed by him. You'll love his personality. Uh, you'll love uh, his wisdom and the way he presents that wisdom. Uh, he's, just a, he's just one of the true uh, servants of the Lord. Uh, as we look at First Peter tonight, let me just give you a little background and then you'll ex I can explain where, where we're going here. Uh, the renewal conference that, that we're having right now has been awesome. It really has been great. Rosaria Butterfield did such a great job and uh, challenged us in so many ways uh, personally and uh, so many things that she said that night and so many things that she's written uh, just, just resonate with me and you and they stay in your mind. They're so, they're so powerful and pointed, uh, stay in your mind. Then Jeff preached last week uh, one of the best sermons I think I've ever heard him preach on uh, clearing out the trash out of the well so that God's refreshing can come. Uh, but when God gets to moving, uh, it's always true that the devil's not very far behind. And so what we want to see tonight is some of the obstacles that the enemy uh, presents to us uh, when we're trying to be renewed and be refreshed and live, you know, on the top of our lives, at the top of our lives spiritually. And the things that uh, sometimes we have to fight through in order for God to really bless us and really get through to us. And so when Simon Peter writes to 1 Peter, he's writing a bunch of people who are oppressed. They, they're oppressed. They're suffering. They're going through tough times and they're discouraged. And in their discouragement, he writes to them and he tries to encourage them on a number of things that you do when you're discouraged. And, uh, you know, discouragement is a feeling and uh, feelings are real, but what they point to may or may not be real. Uh, discouragement can tell you a lot of lies. Discouragement can get really in the way of something God wants to do uh, for you. And so he writes through this book and he, he tries to point out, first of all, their hope. And he said, you know, we have this resurrection power. Uh, Jesus Christ in the resurrection has given us an inheritance. We have a hope. No matter what we go through here in life, we have this inheritance that nobody can take away. It can't, it can't be ruined. It can't be stolen from us. It can't rust out. It's ours. And we need to remember that. And he said, the trial of your faith, the testing of your faith, you know, is, is traumatic but it says it's just for a little while compared to eternity that we're going to live in. And that's going to be pure gold for us. That, that's going to be better for us as we go through this testing. So he writes about their hope. And then in chapter 2, he writes about their position. He says, you know, we're, we, this is the way God looks at us. Sometimes when we look at ourselves, there's self-loathing. Uh, there's doubt about who we are and about our faith and these kind of things. But he said, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Uh, a, a people of God's own possession. 
He said, you know, Jesus is the cornerstone, and we're little stones. We're like him. Everything that he is, he's granted and given to us. And so we need to remember who we are, especially when we're tempted or we're, we're under trial or some kind of duress. We just need to remember who we are. And he goes through this and he outlines it very, very well. He talks again about our security and how that security should be manifested in the way we live in holiness and the way we treat one another inside the body of Christ and how important the body of Christ is to us, our conduct and our obedience to what God says and not giving in to anything else when, when pressure comes upon us. There's one thing about pressure in our lives. It reveals who we really and truly are. When you get under pressure, the real you comes out. And if you're, if you're the giving up kind or if you're the kind of person that, uh, that loses it or whatever else, pressure causes that to happen in your life. And Simon Peter knows that. And he says, don't buckle under that pressure. Don't become what you're not. Don't become what you used to be, in other words, under that pressure. And he talks about that. And he says, but, but above all, persevere in what you're doing. Don't, don't give in to that. Persevere in what you're doing. And then he comes to this uh, last part of the, the epistle that he writes. And in verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And then he says, Be sober of spirit and be on the alert, because your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Jesus Christ or in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Isn't it interesting that at the last part of this book, just like Paul at the last part of the book of Ephesians, speaks about this resisting the devil and standing firm against what the devil brings to us and how he comes against us. One thing that really prevents our spiritual uh, well-being, if you will, is to be unaware of the temptation and the power of the devil as he comes against our lives. Jesus recognized it. Uh, Jesus dealt with him while he was on earth. The devil tempted Christ while he was on earth. If you read the book of Acts, every time the church made an advance, there was always conflict. The devil was always throwing a wrench, if you, if you will. And we often say that everywhere uh, Paul went, he, he, there was conflict. And everywhere he left, he started a church. It, it's just the life that we live in. It's the warfare that we've been called to. And we shouldn't be ambushed by that. We shouldn't be unaware that that's out there. It's not all the time, but it is constant. And so here we are trying to be refreshed and we're trying to get new energy as a church and we want to know what God wants to do in our lives. And it's not unexpected that when God begins to move in the hearts of his people that the devil, of course, is not far behind. And he says, this, this devil, be on the alert because he's always prowling about seeing where he can devour something, where there's a weakness, where there's an opportunity to come against a believer or an opportunity to come against a church and ruin it and devour it and do those kind of things. The devil, by definition, by his, uh, his uh, names, are, are a number, is called a number of things. He's called the accuser. The devil tempts us to sin, and then when we do, what does he do? He said, oh, yeah, you're not much of a Christian. Oh, you're not much of a And he not only accuses us internally, he accuses us before the Lord. 
You remember Job's experience and how he accused uh, uh, Job before the Lord. He said, you're just protecting him. He, he said, you know, he, he's not any better than anybody else. So he's an accuser of the brethren. He accuses us of our sins. He points out those things that we've done. He brings up these past things in our memory. Always trying to live in the past, going back to the past and grinding on that. And all that stuff comes up again and we're playing right into his hands. He's an adversary. An adversary is somebody who's going to block you from getting to where you want to go. An adversary is somebody who's going to fight you so that you can't achieve what you want to achieve. And the Bible calls the devil our adversary, the one who would block us spiritually and not let us live in the victory that we have in Jesus Christ or the power of the Holy Spirit or the truth of God's word. And so he says this roaring lion, this adversary, looking for any weakness that we have. The tempter comes to us, whispering in our ear these half-truths, whispering in our ear these things that he knows that we're weak in or we're leaning toward. And sometimes uh, we, we get this and we get it all out of uh, proportion and we allow him to let that temptation run its course. And he tempts us and he puts us on that, that tumbling path, if you will, and then leaves us to laugh at us while we tumble away from who we are. He's a liar. Jesus called him a liar. He said everything he talks about, he's a liar. First John 1 John 1.4 says that Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews chapter 2 talks about how Jesus came to destroy the power of, of, of the devil who has his clutches on death, who has control over death in our lives. So what's the manifestation of this? I mean, I don't see him tonight. I've never seen him. I've never seen such. Uh, the Bible says that uh, these are the unseen. This is the part of the spirit world that inhabits our world, and we don't often see these. We don't see the good angels either, but they're there. That's what the Bible says. I tell you what it's like, though, when you know that oppression that comes upon you for no reason. You wake up in the morning and you feel that oppression. You feel fear. You begin to tell yourself the lies like, I'm never going to get any better, or I can't get out of this situation, or I can't make it, I, I won't make it, everybody's against me, and everybody's talking about me. It begins, listen to this, this is preaching now, it begins when we have too much focus on ourselves. You think about it for a minute. If you're resting in the power of God and in the presence of God, you're focused upon his power. You're, you're focused upon whatever provision that he can give you. But when you're self-absorbed, that's when fear arises and, boy, the devil rushes in. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. If I'm afraid, it, it can't be from God. It, it has to be either self-generated, aided by some enemy or adversary, to make me afraid of what? What should I be afraid of? The psalmist said, when I am afraid, I'll trust in the Lord. He knew the answer. The opposite of faith is fear. And when I'm living and self-absorbed, I don't have any faith in myself. I look around and I think about all the things that I can't do, all the things that I'm tempted to do, all the things that I've done that I wish I hadn't done. And that fear rises up in our lives. When you're blessed by an overabundance of fear, you know the enemy is near. And so that's what he does. He plays upon us, this idea of fear. Sometimes it's confusion. God doesn't give us a spirit of confusion. He doesn't want us confused in any way, shape, or form. And yet we're confused. We don't know what to do, or we know what to do, but somehow we can't choose the right path or choose obedience or can't, give up, can't just get up and do what we know we need to do. That's the oppression of the evil one. He comes against us, and it blocks us from having this renewal, this refreshing of the Lord. 
this sweet time with the Lord, the power of the Lord to be extended through our lives. We despair. Why would we ever despair? We lose our courage. Over and over again, God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, be courageous. Take the courage that I'm giving you. Take the courage from my life. I'm giving you power and authority to go and conquer a land. Now, you take that and be courageous. Be courageous. Despair comes to our lives. And Simon Peter knew this, and he's telling them to resist that. This self-loathing that we get in sometimes. Do you do that? I can't stand myself. There's that focus on self again. Peter's reminding these people. Here's what God sees. When he sees Jesus, he sees you. He's the cornerstone. You're the living stone. You're chosen. You're a generation of chosen people. You're worthy. You're worth something. He's, he's given you worth. He's given you eternal life. He's given you his righteousness. He's given you all these things. And why would you have self-loathing in your life? What sin is it that Jesus hasn't forgiven? What, what sin did he not die for 2,000 years ago to forgive you of that? And when you trusted him, what sin was not erased from your life? What sin in your present life does he not forgive you from? We have this self-loathing as if we're more important than we're, you know, all these kind of things. I can forgive others. I can't forgive myself. That kind of foolish talk. Not about that. This is about knowing our position and who we are in Christ and not listening to these kind of things. This temptation to be independent. Well, I know what the Bible says, but I just believe. There we go. You know what that is? That's when you open the door and say, hey, devil, come on in. Let's do some business. That's what that is. That drive for independence. And we all have it, but we all know better if you're a believer. No, it's a complete dependency upon the Lord. And the devil uses those sorts of things. So Simon Peter comes along and he says, listen, the, the way to counteract all of this when you're suffering and you're down and life not going well, because it doesn't always go well, rather than folding into that, first of all, under humble yourselves under God. Quit thinking about yourself and go before the Lord and humble yourself before him. He says, in the mighty hand of God, that's the strong, powerful hand of God with all the power that we need, and he's going to exalt you at the proper time. That means you're going to go through this thing. We always want to get out of this stuff. When that dark depression comes on your life or when that oppression comes and you just feel like, I, I just can't make it, it uh, it's never going to get any better, all these lies that we tell ourselves, he says, humble yourself before God. There's something else that he's got for us. He'll raise you up. He'll exalt you at the right time in his time. And then he says, casting on your, all your anxiety upon him. That's a very clear thing. That's not fishing. You know, when you fish, you have a lure on, right? And what do you do? You cast that out there, but you reel it back in. That's what most of us do. We're fishing Christians. We take our anxiety and we throw it over there to the Lord and just about the time he's about to receive it, he said, no, I think I can handle this better. Let me worry about this. Let me be fearful about this. You know, all the energy I can give to this, trying to figure this out for myself, it's more like a baseball or a football. You take that and you throw it. It doesn't come back. You give it to God and it stays there. That's the secret of getting ready to resist knowing where your strength comes from. Then he says, be of sober spirit. Understand what's at stake here. What is at stake? Well, I'm going to tell you, folks, we're in a battle. 
We're not going to the movies. And so many times we're ambushed. You know, if I see the enemy coming, that's one thing. I can kind of deal with that and get ready for it and whatever else, but we're ambushed. And we need to know that the the tactic of the evil one has always been and will always be to ambush us when we let a lie creep into our minds or we let a, a lust begin to form in our hearts and before our eyes or we get something going on that's not right. He's going to ambush us. That's when we're the weakest, when we don't expect it. So he says, be sober in your spirit. Understand what's going on here. We are in a battle. We're in an army, and we need to be ready to do battle. It's a personal battle. It's not just, uh, you know, I can't take your battle. It doesn't work like it. It's a personal battle, and we ought to treat it personally, and it doesn't really ever end. Well, Gene, gee whiz, is there any good news? Well, sure. He's a defeated foe. If you're going to fight somebody, if you're going to, arm wrestle somebody and you know you can win you can't be a winner until you go through the contest you can't know the power of God until it's exercised through your life you you can't know what it means to be an overcomer and a perseverer until you go through the experience but I'll tell you one thing when you resist the devil and you stand in victory over what he's tried to do and that temptation is not good for you and that fear flies out the way flies out of the way and the strength of God rises up in you and you meet that and you meet the the lives of the enemy with the truth of God and his word it's a wonderful thing to stand on the other side of that it's a refreshing thing it's a revival in your life to say yes I have the victory when I was growing up I spent some time in Baton Rouge Louisiana with my grandmother I'd spend every July with her with two back and forth between two grandmothers and uh, when I went with my grandmother Mims, we went to the Baptist church. And that was about as exciting as, you know, watching paint dry. I mean, it was just, as a kid, you know, you want a little action. I was ready for action. So my other grandmother was Assembly of God. That's where the action was. Oh, yeah, man. Raising hands, jumping up, falling on the floor, rolling around. For a 10-year-old kid, 8-year-old kid, that was heaven. I mean, those people had fun. It, it, was, it was all right. And uh, the preacher was, he could, oh, man, he could shout from here to, you know, Franklin. I mean, he was something else. And he'd get that big old microphone and get to hollering and shouting, and he'd and stop in the middle of it and say, we got to sing, we got to sing. And they'd sing this song, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. And it'd tear the whole place apart. But it was true. In the name of Jesus. You know, when you say something in the name of Jesus, that's his power. That's his person. That's his purposes. That's everything that he is when you claim the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about here. And if you want revival in your life, you have to not be ambushed by the things that come against us. So how is it that we really fight these things when you go to fight the enemy? Now, you're aware of the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. You know, the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God the helmet that you put on is the this uh, uh, salvation that we have this gospel of peace that overflows our lives the truth that we gird our our waist about with a belt of truth you know the preparation of the gospel of peace on our shoes to help us stand our ground we know about all of that 
But what does that really represent? Well, the way to defeat the father of lies is with the truth. With the truth. You can't defeat the devil with your own power. You don't have as much power as he does. We can't defeat the devil by arguing with him. He knows all the arguments. But you always defeat him with the truth. So how much truth do you know and hold on to? That's a pretty good question, really. How much truth do you know and hold on to? That's two different things. I know a lot of scripture, but the question is how much do I live? Because it's only the truth that you know and apply and live that'll make any difference in the, in the moment of temptation. In the moment when we're lured away by some lust of the flesh or feed some addiction that we've always had or, or some thing that's just over overpowering us or some depression, a wind of depression that always blows in our lives and whatever. What's going to keep me from thinking about myself all the time? Well, it's not just the truth that I know. It's the truth that I know and live. And that's how you face the enemy, with the truth that you know and you live because that's the greatest shield of anything. A truth will always defeat a lie. And so when you're living the truth, and the feeling comes up that I'm no good, and you say, but the truth is, I've been gifted with the gift of righteousness. I have the same life as the life of Jesus. I have the same resurrection power as the resurrection power of Christ. Then that lie has to dissipate, doesn't it? And when some temptation falls up and it's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life and I'm getting too self-absorbed in those things. The truth says, oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't get you anywhere at all. And so we resist the enemy with truth that's lived. You know what God can do to revive a person who's living outside of the truth? Convict that person of his or her sin and they can only repent. Revival doesn't come to people who don't live the truth. Renewal and refreshing will not come except by the truth that's known, received, and lived. So it's the truth lived out. And you begin to know the truth and you begin to say to yourself and understand that I'm loved, I'm a child of the king. All of these things are true in our lives and we live that out. And it takes the power of God. It takes the power of God. It doesn't take a lot of cajoling and arguing and running here and to and fro and reading books and, you know, wearing people out with your problems. It just takes the power of God to show up. I like what Isaiah said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Who can say that except the one who has the power? You remember when they told Jesus that he had a demon? You remember that? They said, you're casting out demons by demons. And he said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I do, why would a person with a demon do that? But he said, uh, you know, when a strong man is fully armed, and guards his home, he guards his homestead, his possessions are undisturbed. He has the power. He's in charge of the slaves and all the stuff. He said, that's a strong man. Nobody's going to come against him. But he said, when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. <laughs> you know what Jesus is saying? He said, I'm that guy. He said, you, you can't overcome Satan. He's got you, 
I'm stronger. That's a nice thing to say in the face of temptation when the onslaught of that oppression comes to say, now we need to stop right here. I just need to remind you, devil, you're not fighting me. You're fighting Jesus. You live that out? If you live that out, you'll resist the devil. If you don't, you'll be overcome. I liked what a little girl said. Somebody said, well, well, what do you do when the devil gets after you? She said, well, it's like this. If he rings the door, I just let, it rings the doorbell, I just let Jesus answer. There you go. That's good. The power of God, the power of Christ, not, not by might, not by power, says the Lord. This spiritual power that we have is the power that created the, the earth. It's the power that caused Jesus to be resurrected from the dead. It's the power that overcomes all evil, destroys the works of the devil. And then it's in the resisting. Most of us aren't fighters by nature. We're complainers maybe and grumblers, but we don't fight by nature. You know, we don't wake up in the morning looking to, you know, punch somebody in the nose. Now, you may want to. You talk like you do. Don't look at me spiritual tonight. I know how you do when you're out in traffic. I'll tell you, I'd like to. Yeah, well, you don't do that. That's not who our nature really is. We're not exactly sweethearts either, right? But we, we typically don't want to fight. Why? Well, first of all, it seems unfair. Who wants to be ambushed? That just seems a little bit unfair. Hey, Jesus, when I, when I trusted you as my Lord and Savior, it just seemed like this would have all been taken care of. It seems a little bit unfair from two directions. Number one, it's unfair that somebody ambushed us. By nature, that's unfair. And then it would seem like God would protect us from that. For some reason, he doesn't. We're not fighters. It's exhausting. It's not, even, not only unfair, it's exhausting. You just grind away. and You know, the first time you say, I'm resisting you, devil, and he doesn't run away. He's not afraid of that. It's just to see if that's true, see what your true metal is. If you know the truth, that will cause him to flee. James says if you resist the devil, he'll flee. Well, he doesn't just flee like that. So it's exhausting. And, you know, I'd rather not be doing that if I could just be doing something else that I want to do or that I need to do. And here I am battling a depression. Here I am battling fear. Here I am battling this anger that's coming up in my life that gives the devil an open door to take over. Well, it's exhausting. And then sometimes it's doubtful. Can I just say it? Sometimes we don't know how this is going to be. I'll tell you one thing about the scripture that is true. God says, if you don't fight, you'll never know. If you don't fight the fight of faith, that's what Paul said. This is a fight. I fought the good fight. There's a course for us to run. It's exhausting. But if we don't ever do it, don't ever claim what's ours and don't ever see the power of God coursing through us, we'll never change a world. We'll never be anybody of influence. It's the overcomers. Jesus says over and over again in the book of Revelation to the seven churches, he who overcomes, I'll give him whatever. The right to rule the nations, uh, a place where he can go to the tree of life, all kinds of stuff, a new name. Overcoming is important. The testing of our faith is important. It can't be strong unless it's tested. And what better way for faith to be tested than have the evil one come against us? Not just my car battery going dead, but one who would come to kill me or cause me to commit suicide or 
depress me or give despair to my life. When I can overcome that, then my faith is sure and strong and powerful. We resist the devil. In that great text of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, we studied it this morning out at the gathering. Paul says, well, first of all, I want you to stand firm. And I want you to put on the full armor of God. You put on the full armor of God, you can stand firm. Stand firm. And the way he writes that is you stand firm when the attack comes, and then you wrestle, you fight, and in the power of God, you stand firm and be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, and you fight. He uses two metaphors. One is that soldier and one is the wrestler. And you hand to hand and you give it. And then finally you stand in victory. Because you're going to win. The weapons are too strong. You're just going to win. Well, think about it. Salvation can't be taken away from you. Righteousness can't be taken away from you. You can't defeat a righteous man. That's the whole message of the book of Job. Job was a righteous man. Satan couldn't kill him, but he did everything else to him, but he couldn't defeat him. He said, if he slays me, I'm still going to serve him. It's not about me, this is about him. Oh, that's the power of being revived, to stand and fight. It's just refreshing to win at anything. It is. It's refreshing to win in any contest. That's why we have contests, to see if we can win. It's so much fun to win. And we stand victorious in the power of God and the strength of the Lord. It draws us closer to the Lord. We understand more about who he is because we're focused upon him. And we sing it because we need it. I need thee every hour. Oh, I need thee. Because we do need him. And we draw close to him. And through us, his power is exhibited. So how do we get to the point where we can stand firm and be ready to be revived? Well, remember, winning is always refreshing. It might be tiring, but it's refreshing. Well, first of all, you have to know and live the Scripture. It's not just enough to know it. I know a lot of Scripture, and unfortunately, a lot of it I don't live. You have to know and live the Scripture. The more you know and the more you live by what you know, the stronger you are. Because there's just no chink in the armor there, you see. If I'm not living, if I'm living in fear and not by faith, if I'm being selfish and not loving people. Then I've got holes in my armor. I've got weaknesses that can be exploited. Prayer. We pray. We pray for the power of God. We already have his presence. Now we need his power. Lord, I can't do this. We pray for forgiveness when we fall and fail. We pray for the truth to take hold in our hearts with understanding. We praise the Lord. And may I just suggest something? Something I've practiced. It helps me. Maybe it'll help you. You do those things out loud. Pray out loud. When I pray in a chair, you know what happens to me? I go to sleep. Oh, you don't do that. Right. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's good. That's right. Thank you, oh, spiritual ones in here. Yeah, don't go spiritual on me here now. No, we fall asleep. But boy, when I'm up walking around in my study, dear God, help me today. Lord, thank you. 
that I'm here. I'm claiming these verses. Look, oh, Lord, read the Word of God out loud. When you read the Bible out loud, it means something. You're hearing yourself, but you're hearing God speak to your ears. It's not just in your head somewhere floating around with all these things going on. You're, you're focused on something. And praise the Lord. Worship God in the sanctuary, wherever your prayer closet is. Just say it out loud. Thank you, Jesus. The other thing I would say is don't be alone. Just don't be alone. Now, that doesn't mean you have to tell everybody everything that's going on in your life. Some people can take that and some can't. If they're not going through it or if they've never been through it, it might not mean anything. Just don't be alone. Go find some people. That's what the church is all about. You know, we need to learn to read the Bible in the plural. It's written to churches. Not much help for the lone ranger out there trying to get spiritual renewal and battle Satan by himself. No, it takes a church. It takes a bunch of people that are praying for us and for each other. But don't be alone. There's nothing worse than the midnight hour when you wake up with all those fears. You know, I've been preaching 45 and a half years. Seems really a little longer than that. And every Sunday I've ever preached, the first person I meet is not the Lord. It's the devil. You're no good. You didn't study this week. Nobody's going to listen to you. How can you say those things when you know you don't live them? All the things, accuser, liar, all of this. I kind of yawn and say, well, I thought you'd be here today. So let me tell you a few things. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Bring it on. I got this shield of faith. Why don't you throw your little missiles at me? Let's see what happens when they drop in the dirt. And if you think I'm giving an inch, I'm not giving you anything. And let me remind you about your destiny. I'm going to heaven. You're going to hell. In fact, you're the first one that's going to be there. A place prepared just for you. You know what I find when I say that out loud and claim Scripture and begin to quote Scripture? Strength rises. I don't, I'm, I don't just feel better. I do better. Don't you? Yes. But I found that being alone sometimes is not good. You know, this may sound a little silly, but I like to play golf. And I found that sometimes when I'm in that twisted up situation, get with some guys and we just get out and kind of forget about all that. Get to just having fun. Come here and get around the staff or get around some friends. Go out to eat with some folks. But when you're around the body of Christ, your strength rises. Don't be alone. The Lord loves for us to be together. The devil hates for us to be together. He wants us to be alone. Resist the devil. Be sober in spirit. Expect those attacks, but resist him. Fight him. Fight him with the weapons that God's given us. Prayer, the word of God, truth, worship and praise, serving him. You go serve the Lord and you see him working in your life. Go witness to somebody. Watch him come to Jesus Christ. Every one of those things is a defeat for the enemy. If you have things in your life that God can't bless. Just like we heard last week that was so good. Repent of those things. Clear, clear out the trash. Get rid of it. And let those times of refreshing come and come. But if you're being oppressed tonight, fight. 
Because at the end of the struggle, there's a refreshing that comes when you stand over a defeated enemy or you watch him running away from you, getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Resist the devil, and I promise you, he'll flee from you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight, and we thank you for who you are and what you are. And we thank you that we're not alone. We thank you that we, thank you that we know we're going to be ambushed. We know uh, what happens. We know his methods and methodologies. So help us tonight, Father, to remember who we are in Christ and how protected we are and how loved we are and how equipped we are for this life. Help us to remember that the worst we go through, the greatest trial of our faith, whether it be by grief or sickness, and yes, even death, you take all things and work them together for good. For our good, for your glory, for the defeat of our enemies, for the right things, Lord. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that what you're doing is you're showing this whole world, you're showing who you are and what you are and how you're displaying that in the church. And our battles become our victories so that others might take heart and come away from that which has chained them for so long. Oh, Lord, help us to not just remember these things but live these things. If any soul here tonight is fearful or troubled or depressed or oppressed, pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart has been good for you, but good for everybody here. We cast our burdens on you, O Lord, and we, we humble ourselves before you because we really can't do anything else that makes any sense. Lift us up. Strengthen our hands, our knees, our hearts, our mouths, our minds. And as your servants, let us go in victory, from victory into victory, let us be your warriors, the overcomers, the perseverers, those strengthened by the battle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can I read one other thing before we sing this great song? Take my life and let it be, and I'm gonna let Jeff come up here. Paul writes in Ephesians something very interesting. He says, you know, he said, I've been charged with preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. He said, the least of all saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Watch this. This is us. This is Judson tonight. In order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. God wants to give us victory so he can show not only the world, but the enemies and the angels through the church, what his great power and love and nature really is. We're going to sing this song. Take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to you. If you humble yourself before the Lord, you'll be equipped for the battle that comes. Maybe you want to pray tonight at an altar or come and pray with Pastor Jeff. Maybe you just stand where you are and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I didn't resist. I hadn't been strong. Here we go. Let's stand together. Let's sing that tonight. Take my life and 